Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Uh, Father, we thank you that we get to come and meet with you, and we know that you have something for us when we're in your word. So Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would bring your word into our hearts and implant it inside of us so that we can be just as Jesus was the word becoming flesh here on the earth. God make us more into your image today in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Genesis chapter 47, verse one. It says, Joseph went and told Pharaoh, my father and brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked his brothers, what is your occupation? Your servants are shepherds, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, we have come to live here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you, and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramses, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their children. Verse 13, there was no food, however, in the whole region because the famine was severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying, and he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. When the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. Then bring your livestock, said Joseph. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep and goats, their cattle and donkeys. And he brought them through the year with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, we cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is enough, nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes? We and our land as well. Buy us and our land in exchange for food. And with uh, we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may uh, live and not die. And that the land may uh, not become desolate. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. 
the Egyptians, once uh, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received a regular allotment from Pharaoh and had food enough from the allotment Pharaoh gave them. That is why they did not sell their land. Joseph said to the people, now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is the seed for you so you can plant the ground. But the crop comes in, give a fifth of it to uh, Pharaoh, and the other four-fifths you may keep as seed for the fields and as food for yourselves and your households and your children. You have saved our lives, they said. May we find favor in the eyes of our Lord. We will be in bondage to Pharaoh. So Joseph established it as a law concerning uh, the land in Egypt, still in force today, that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. It was not only the land of the priests that did not become Pharaoh's. Now, the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. When the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. But when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they, they are buried. I will do as you say, he said. Swear to me, he said. And Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. What a packed chapter. There is quite a few different things going down here, all the way from uh, Joseph's family meeting Pharaoh to uh, Joseph, or excuse me, Jacob or Israel blessing Pharaoh to how is Joseph dealing with the famine inside of the land that is plaguing an entire region, and all the way to uh, Jacob having Joseph uh, swear on his burial rites. You want to talk about like a packed chapter, like a lot went down in just 31 verses. So I have a few things I kind of pulled from this when I was looking at it. And the first one is in verses uh, three through six. And just really quick before I do that, I want to give reference to yesterday's soap briefly, because chapter 46 verse 34 it's the very last verse of yesterday's chapter kind of like plays into this one it says uh when pharaoh calls you in and asks your occupation you should answer your use your uh your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on just as our fathers did then you'll be allowed to settle in the region of goshen for all shepherds are detestable to the egyptians and what I kind of found funny is, and this is why we like to do things like soap and we like to just read the Bible verse by verse and just study it like this, because you kind of see everything in context next to each other, because you'll see once Joseph's brothers get in front of Pharaoh, they did the exact opposite that Joseph told them to do. <laughs> like they got there and the first thing they said was, he said, hey, what's your occupation? And they said, yeah, we're shepherds <laughs> and we're, we're shepherds just as our fathers were. And I like uh, what the response from Pharaoh is, though, because it said we have come here in verse four. We have come to live here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants flocks have no pasture. So please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh uh, said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. 
uh, Goshen at the time was a very fertile land. Like if there was a place to go, if you were a shepherd, Goshen was the spot, like not just a spot, that was the spot to be. And uh, right here, these people, as far as Joseph's family were, as I said, detestable to the Egyptians. Like the Egyptians, Pharaoh and their people were not fans of what it was they were doing. They kind of viewed them as lesser because of what it was they did for a living, what it was they did to survive. And yet, even though they thought of shepherds through that lens, uh, they still found favor in the eyes of Pharaoh. And I just want to kind of note this. Joseph's faithfulness affected his entire family and his faithfulness turned into their favor. Joseph's faithfulness turned into their favor. And I just want to share with you, you know, you may be faithful to God today and you may not see your faithfulness going anywhere as you're just trying to serve God. You're trying to honor him and please him. And I just want to share with you, it will turn into favor at some point, like for you, but also for someone else, because Goshen was 900 square miles of where all the water was at. And <clears throat> when you're in the middle of a famine, and there's no food in the land, you want to be where the water's at, because that's where you get the plant, that's where you get food from, and you no longer have to live off the hand of Pharaoh, because you'll note, it said in the passage that uh, Joseph's brothers and the family received an allotment of food from Pharaoh to survive, but after they received that allotment, they were planting their own food, and they were surviving, and we know from chapters later, when uh, right before Moses gets on the scene, uh, the people, the Israelites, were multiplying like crazy. <laughs> and that's because they came in this super fertile area and fertile land that was able to host them and not only just have them survive, but thrive. And that all came from Joseph's faithfulness turning into favor for his family. And I just want to share with you today, you know, God isn't only good to you for you. God was good to Joseph throughout his life leading up to the moment where his brothers and his family would be before him, like we talked about last Wednesday, and what would happen once they got there. Because if Joseph had just said, you know what, God was good to me, I'm going to hold on to my blessing. Y'all, you put me in a pit and sold me into slavery anyway. Think about this. This was so much bigger picture than Joseph and his grudges, Joseph and being betrayed. It was actually about the entire people of Israel. Because this little ragtag band family here of betrayers would be the tribes of Israel and would give birth to the nation of Israel because they came and planted in this 900 square mile area called Goshen. And all that was giving birth from this little area. And, you know, your blessing that God gives you, uh, he blesses you to be a blessing. We all receive something from God to go ahead and give it away to bless someone else as well. And, you know, I liked uh, uh, if you caught the piece in Pastor Mondo Davis's message this past Sunday, it was a fireball of the message uh, when he threw in there. He said, when was the last time you got to work and all your boss had to worry about was lunch? <laughs> and, you know, my wife and I kind of giggled to each other because, uh, you know, we've had some jobs, and some bosses over the years where we thought, you know, they didn't really care about the work getting done here. All they cared about was where we were getting lunch. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you have, you know, someone who really cares about the work and wants the place to flourish and when you are blessing them to, to all the way up to such a point where all they have to worry about is what am I going to order for lunch? You know, is it pizza or is it Wawa today? 
like that is such a powerful place to be where you're so blessed that the blessing that's on your life is blessing those around you. And, uh, you know, I want to kind of like have us think about what our blessings are today, because whatever you're blessed with, God wants you to give away. If you are a blessed peacemaker, God wants you to be a peacemaker wherever you go and bless environments with that peacemaking. Now, of course, we know we're all called to be peacemakers, but I think we know like all of us will walk in different measures of peace inside of our lives because I, I know for my wife and I, she is like the ultimate top tier peacemaker. And I'm probably more of like, I might be a little more of like the feather ruffler, you know, like I want to go forward. And she's always kind of like, well, yeah, well, we'll do it, but we got to do it in peace too. And, you know, both of them complement each other in the body of Christ of all of us working together to get the job of the ministry done. But I want to ask you, like, what is on your life that God has blessed you with that he wants you to bless someone else with? It could be wisdom today where he's brought you through some stuff. He's taught you how to rely on him, how to trust him, and where it's now your role to pass on, okay, this is how I got through the same situation you're going through. This is the wisdom I picked up over my life. This is the wisdom I learned through this that you can now walk in and learn how to trust God in. And some of us, you know, we may just be blessed with a measure of faith, right? The book of Romans says all faith comes from God, and he gives us measures of faith to believe for things. And uh, you know, if he gave you a measure of faith, it's not just for you to believe stuff for your life. And I, this is something that I kind of have to work out in my own life because, you know, I, I believe that God gave me a gift of faith just to believe for things like greater than what we necessarily see in our lives now. And I used to just kind of believe for stuff in my own life all the time. And I would say, all right, I'm just going to believe God. I'm going to believe God. You know, we're trying to see all these things happen. And one day, Lord just kind of convicted me of, well, you can believe for yourself, but what about believing for others too? Like, what about everyone else? Like, because you, this gift isn't just for you. And uh, we saw this manifest. I'll, I'll share a, a testimony with you. We saw this manifest uh, over last winter. My my mom has a boyfriend right now, and this guy's name is Henry, and he is from England. He is an awesome, awesome dude, and uh, he has the driest sense of humor. He's not a Christ follower, and unfortunately, uh, over the course of the last year, he had developed cancer, and they found it last summer, so a year ago, that he had cancer in his lung, and he also had COPD. So they had to do all the treatments. They went through it. It was, it shrunk. It became benign. And the whole time, you know, I'm just calling, I'm praying with him. And then over the winter time, he got a phone call. And in the phone call, uh, <laughs> they told him, hey, we don't quite know how to tell you this, but you have three different tumors on your brain. One point two, two of them are 1.9 centimeters. And there's a third that is much smaller, but still there. And they had another appointment. They did one scan, confirmed it, went to a separate doctor, separate machine, scanned it, confirmed it's there. And they pretty much gave him a write-off and said, you know, more than likely you're not going to survive this. Uh, we don't recommend you go through treatment because if you do, your quality of life afterwards, if you do survive, will be next to nothing. Like imagine a report like that. Like, it, you know, they were a mess. It felt horrible. And um he went through two different doctors and then he was going for a third scan just to get a scan for strategy. And there was a two week period between the last scan that confirmed all three tumors. And when he would go for a third scan, just for the strategy of treatment. Well, I believe that God 
gave me a gift of faith to believe for something greater than necessarily what we're experiencing. What does God's word say? We're believing for that. So I called him every day for two weeks and just said, Henry, we are going to pray that God heals you. That's what we're doing for two weeks. I'm calling you every day. And it's what we're going to pray for. This is a dry English man. I love this dude, but this guy, the first day I called and prayed for him, you know, hello, Harry, so happy to hear from you. <laughs> That's my English accent, by the way. <laughs> so happy to hear from you. <laughs> and uh, uh, prayed for me. Thank you. Thank you. And then he hang up the phone. By the time day three rolled around, this dude left me on speaker in the other room. Like, I'm not even kidding. He would leave me on speaker on the phone and put the phone down in the other room and walk out. <laughs> and it happened for like 10 days. And, you know, my mom, God bless her, would kind of, you know, she'd be like walking over to the phone. like, Oh, honey, he walked away. I said, it doesn't change anything. We are believing in faith that God's going to do something. He went for that third scan. His doctor called him and said, Henry, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have no cancer in your entire body. Not only your brain, but also your lung. There is nothing left. So naturally, he went for a whole nother scan. And in that other scan, there was nothing left. He no longer has any tumors on his brain, but also the one that was in his lung disappeared. And all that to get to, listen, God doesn't just bless you for you. God doesn't just give you something to be good just to you. He wants you to be a blessing to others. And whatever that gift that he's given to you, give it away. You know, because I, I have never met a person that doesn't like receiving a good gift. You know, I know like sometimes you might get a little like awkward, but I've never met someone that doesn't like receiving a good gift. So give that gift away. So our application question for this one is, how am I blessed and how can I share that blessing? How am I blessed and how can I share that blessing? Uh, this next one is going to come from verses 20 through 22. It says, so Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. However, this is the key, however, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received a regular allotment from Pharaoh and had food enough from the allotment Pharaoh gave them. That is why they did not sell their land. This one, this really stuck out to me. Like, I'll be honest, when I was reading through this passage and I was looking for, you know, all right, God, you know, what, what are we going to pull from here for today? So that verse was like the first thing that stuck out. And as I was reading it, I, all I could think about was the regard that Pharaoh had for the priests, the work the priests did, and the land the priests live on. And I, I started to kind of like maul this over you know, we really do live out this value well here at Fusion Church of heart for the house. You know, if, if you uh, in our if you're in our team huddles on Sunday mornings, it's one of our core values that we like to talk about the heart for the house. And right here, Pharaoh had a heart for the house. How crazy is that? That all the way back in the book of Genesis 47, there was a heart for the house back then. Pharaoh had to care for the week that the priest the week, the work that the priests were doing. Their service, I mean, you know, it wasn't unto the Lord, but the service that they were doing, he had a value for. And, you know, that's really uh, something that we want to have inside of our lives as well. God, what can I do to serve inside your house? God, how can I have a heart for your house here inside of South Jersey? God, how can I do something? Like, what can I do just to serve your house? And uh, I like the verse we've tied to the heart for the house. 
it says we will not neglect the house of our God throughout the Old Testament as we keep on soaping through all of it you know you'll notice it's almost like uh, the people of Israel go through cycles and waves of where they value the house of God they start to not value it and then they get to this spot where it's almost desolate and then God like speaks into it and says don't neglect my house and we have to do this like turnaround moment till we get to this spot where we say okay I'm no longer going to neglect the house of God I've got a heart for the house again you know, I like that we keep this as a value. We keep it on the forefront so that we don't fall into the cycle of we're not going to have a heart for the house. We want to have that heart that says we're going to keep this excellent. We are going to sow into what God is doing here. We're going to try and keep the building, the facilities, the grounds excellent. Also, that when people come, they know they value the house of God. In uh, one of the first churches that I was in, I had the privilege of serving in ministry. And uh, I always appreciated, you know, the pastor's wife there, she was like, she would be like a church mouse, like you would never know she was there. But she was like, such a sweet woman. And every day, I mean, I really do almost every day, I would walk out of the church when I was done work, and I would catch her like pulling weeds in the parking lot, like silently told nobody. <laughs> and she would just go in. And I always ask her, like, hey, like, well, if you come in and ask, I'll come out and help you. Like, we could do it together. It'd be, you know, twice as fast. And she always used to say, no, this is my moment of my heart before God, where I get to serve him. And her heart for the house was just so powerful. So uh, I just want to ask you guys today, you know, how can I serve in God's house for application question? How can I serve in God's house? And I know so many of you already are serving inside of God's house, are serving on uh, dream teams, are connected, hosting connect groups. But perhaps just ask the Lord, like, Lord, is there something more that you'd like me to pick up? Is there something you'd like me to do? And just kind of have that refreshing question to God of, all right, Lord, what can I do to serve inside of the house to have a heart for your house? And, you know, with that being said, on August 20th, <laughs> uh, from 8 to 12 p.m., that's a Saturday, uh, we're going to have Heart for the House at the church. I know Mike has stuff planned. Our team has stuff planned of things that need to get done. And if you're available, I'm sure they would love to have you come out. You know, there is plenty, always, always plenty to do <laughs> at the house. And, uh, yeah, if you're available, you know, we'd love to have you come out and help. I wish I could be there. I'm just going gonna, gonna to brag just for a second. I wish I could be there. But your beloved youth pastor is finally going on his honeymoon. Thank God. <laughs> we have been two and a half years in the waiting. <laughs> so I am celebrating. <laughs> so uh, I wish I could be there, but I'll be praying for y'all and my heart will be with you. <laughs> uh, but our last point for the day, <clears throat> sorry, our application question, how can I serve in God's house? And then our last point for the day, verse 28 through 31. It says, Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. When the time drew near for Israel to die, he called to his son Joseph and said to him, If I found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I will do as you say, he said. Swear to me, he said. Joseph swore to him. And Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. This spot right here, you know, Jacob or Israel, he wanted something from Joseph that he could not guarantee would happen. He was asking Joseph to do something for him after he died. And 
I think it's very interesting of all of the sons that Israel had. We know Joseph was the favorite, but of all the sons he had, he chose the son of integrity to ask, hey, bury me. I want you to promise me you're going to bury me, not here, but in the land of my fathers. And uh, Joseph himself was a person of integrity in general. And that's why he had the rapport. He had the record for Israel to come and ask him. Because if Joseph, even though he's the favorite son, if Joseph was not a man of integrity, he wasn't a man that would keep his word, Israel never would have came and asked him. Israel never would have come and said, hey, uh, I want you to swear something to me. If someone doesn't have integrity, you're not going to ask for their word. You know what I mean? If someone, if you know someone does not have integrity, you're not going to ask them to come and fulfill something for you. More than likely, you're going to have to do it yourself or you're going to be on the hunt. Lord, please give me somebody. <laughs> but I, I want to kind of bounce this around with us today. This word integrity and this uh, concept of integrity and character is something that we may not necessarily hear so often nowadays. I can actually tell you, I never even heard the word integrity before I stepped into a church. It wasn't until I stepped into the house of faith and into the family of Christ when I started hearing of the word integrity. And, you know, I want us to kind of all challenge ourselves today. I'm going to ask you the application question first, and then we're going to dive into kind of integrity for a few minutes together. The application question is, am I a person of integrity? And how can I grow in my integrity? Because integrity isn't just like have it or don't have it. It's something that we can actually grow in like the rest of our character. You know, to just kind of say like, oh, you know, integrity is or isn't. Well, we, we grow in things like you grow in patience, right? Like we, like we grow in different things with God. You know, the question, am I a person of integrity and how can I grow my integrity? Because we want to grow in integrity and be integrous people, you know, for the Lord. Um, I like the definition of integrity. It says the quality of being honest, having strong moral principles and moral uprightness. And there's another definition of integrity. This one is, I, I, this one's awesome. It's the state of being whole and the state of being undivided. The state of being whole and the state of being undivided. You said, so, you know, uh, there's a phrase and, you know, Mike, I'm sure you've heard it, where the foundation of something has integrity, right? The foundation of a house, the integrity of the house is strong. When something is integrous, it's whole and it's undivided. It's strong and it's able to carry something. You know, your integrity, uh, it, normal and normal life doesn't test it. Everyday life really doesn't test your integrity. Crisis does. Because when crisis comes, are you, are, are you able to continue on who you are through crisis, even though the pressure is coming on the foundation, even though the weight of the house is on the foundation? Can that integrity, can that foundation still stand? But, you know, integrity is much more than doing the right thing. It's can your character survive when crisis comes? Will your character survive and stay intact when things come up against it and the pressure hits? And I like this, the state of being a whole, the state of being undivided. It's not being double-minded. It's saying, I believe with faith and I see with hope. You know, it's saying I will go one direction and it's towards Christ. Just as Paul said, I press onwards or upwards to the upwards call of Christ Jesus. And it's pressing forward in integrity with that. And I just want to bounce five quick ways on how to build your integrity if you want to build it. Number one, be brutally honest with yourself. To build your integrity, 
to build yourself and be in the state of being whole, we have to be brutally honest with ourselves. We have to say, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. This is what's in. This is what's not. What's off? What's on point? Uh, is this true north or isn't it? You know, and sometimes we can give ourselves, uh, I've noticed we're like on two opposite ends of the pendulum when it comes to grace and giving ourselves grace. Sometimes we're too hard on ourselves and sometimes we're too lenient with ourselves. <laughs> and it's like, ah, you want to know what? That wasn't too much of a big deal. Uh, if we're brutally honest with ourselves, we can realize, all right, maybe that was the most integrous moment in our lives because of all the lies we tell, the ones we tell ourselves are most deadly. Of all the lies we tell, the one we tell ourselves are the most deadly. So if we're brutally honest with ourselves, we can know, okay, this was off point. This was off base. This was not an integrous character. And I want to follow the Lord in integrity. And a way of being brutally honest with yourself, you want to question all of your motives. What's the why behind the what? What's the why behind the what? Yes, I'm serving the household of faith. Yes, I'm at the heart for the house. But the why behind the what is, God, we want to serve you. God, we want to please you. God, I want to be faithful to you, right? Like that's the motive behind what it is that we're doing. Number two, after being brutally honest with yourself, we want to seek wise counsel. Get people in your life. If you don't have people in your life, get them in your life. You want those people that can be brutally honest with you as well where they can just share, this is what I saw you do, and this is what the word says. This is what I saw you do, and it's opposite to the content of what your character is. I, I'm going to tell you what, my soap fusion family, uh, my wife is that person. She checks me on a regular basis. <laughs> there, there, there ain't no getting much past her. <laughs> and uh, you know, But you want to have those people around you. Uh, for myself, what I realized what worked is, you know, I have my wife who is brutally honest with me. I have uh, an elder in the body of Christ that's brutally honest with me. I have a friend that's brutally honest with me. And I have a counselor that's brutally honest with me. And all four of those people are welcome to speak into my life at any time when they see something. And I've given them that open door. I gave the invitation. And anytime I have something in my life that I'm praying about, that I'm trying to work through and think through, all four of them get a phone call. Well, not my wife. I'll talk to her in person, but all the rest get a phone call <laughs> and I'll say, Hey, like, this is what's going on. I just need your mind on it. Am I moving with integrity? Am I putting the Lord first? Like, I know I'm not trying to question anything, but I also want to know, are my motives right? Is the what and the why of what I'm doing correct? So get wise counsel in your life. Feedback equals a free life. Number three, decide to honor God, not please people. Doing the right thing is almost never the easy thing. And sometimes it's not the popular thing. So when we decide to honor God and not please people, we're saying, Lord, you come first, not other people's opinions. And of course, we value others' opinions, but we want to put the Lord first before that, because not everyone will understand what God is saying to you. When Joseph was going through everything he went through in life, you know, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if I would have been the one counseling Joseph saying, hey, forgive your brothers. You know, if, if we're being brutally honest, like I may have been the one saying, Joseph, they did you wrong, bro. Like put them in jail. They'll feed them there. You know, like that, <laughs> like to me, that's like the grace mixed with justice at the same time. Like that may have been more my response just to be, you know, transparent. However, Joseph decided to please God. Lord, what's the number one thing you want to do? Lord, forget other people's opinions. What God, what is it you're saying to me? What is it your word says? Because 
I, I'm putting this first right here above what other people have to say because your opinion comes first. After that, be appropriately transparent. You know, we always like to say be transparent. I, I think it's also uh, good to throw in there, be appropriately transparent because sometimes we can get to a level of transparency that's also inappropriate. So we wanna be appropriately transparent where we share our lives and we're intimate with the people around us. And when I say uh, uh, intimate or intimacy, I'm talking about like the intention behind that word. It just means into me, see, intimacy, into me, see. It's just saying, see into my heart, see into my mind, see how I look at things. Uh, in our transparency, we want to make sure that we're just being real people and we're willing to admit our shortcomings and we're also uh, not trying to be something that we're not and someone that we're not. You know, most people, if you really like listen and hear them and just kind of ask them questions, many times uh, we're just trying to be someone or something that we're not at times. And, you know, the Lord wants us to be people of integrity to just say, all right, this is who I am. I'm okay with who I am because this is how the Lord made me and I'm in a process. But when we're being appropriately transparent saying, this is my life into me see see into my heart see into my mind i don't have the desire to be someone or something that i'm not i'm just going to push forward towards what god has called me to and be the person that god has called me to be and last but certainly not least put yourself first when it comes to personal growth we always practice self-care before others care and you know this one um uh, this one can sometimes be, I don't want to say a difficult pill to swallow, but maybe like a harder pill to swallow, because especially in the body of Christ and what the word says, we're supposed to put others first in so many different ways, right? And uh, Philippians put the opinions of, of others above yourself, the interests of others first, 100%. But I, I want to propose this to you. If you are an empty cup, how can you fill someone else's cup? If you have not gotten from God, how can you give to someone else? So we want to practice self-care before others care. And it's not out of a selfishness thing. It's out of a, I want something to give someone. I want to be able to say, no, this is what the Lord is saying to me right now. Here's how I can give it away. Because without him, I'm no good. Without his love, I'm no good. And uh, I just want to kind of point out to you really quick, you know, Jesus himself, he prepared for 30 years. 30 years before doing three and a half years of ministry. He spent 30 whole years on the earth before going to do. Sometimes we just have to spend time with the Lord before going to do. Sometimes we just have to sit down and say, God, I am here for my personal growth before I go and try and grow others. I'm here to receive from you before I go and give. We have to put ourselves first in our personal growth. If our cup is empty, how are we ever going to fill anyone else's? And our application one more time for this one is, am I a person of integrity and how can I grow my integrity? And, you know, every time I talk about integrity, the topic, oh my goodness, every time I talk about it, I get convicted myself because as I go through it, I think this is where I can grow my integrity today. Because I think that's one of those things we can grow it every single day. We're never exempt from growing our integrity. So number one, our application, how am I blessed? How can I share that blessing? Number two, how can I serve in God's house? And number three, am I a person of integrity? And how can I grow my integrity? So I bless you guys with that. <laughs> as we're all growing towards the Lord, as we are 
pushing forward and saying, God, how can I follow you faithfully just like Joseph did so that we can see your favor here and your goodness here in the land of the living? Amen. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you that you are growing us and grooming us to chase after you. And Lord, we know above all, even in our failures and shortcomings, even in the times when we are not necessarily faithful, that you're still faithful to us. So Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would help us be people of integrity, help us be faithful to you, and help us be blessings to other people. Because we know it's not all about us, but we do need to receive to give. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that your voice would be active to us. God, let us uh, know what you're saying to us, and let us be faithful to what you're saying to us. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.